Hello, young man. May I come in? Hold on a second, pal. You're a stranger. You can't just walk right in. What's the secret password? I would very much like to eat your kidneys. All right, checks out. Come on in. Oh, thank you. Law enforcement has officially issued a statewide emergency. A deranged serial killer known only as the friendly kidney biter has escaped from Danvere State Mental Hospital. Police are urging citizens to lock their door. Stupid radio. I'm so sick of these true crime podcasts. Listen, man, sorry about the whole password thing. My best friend Adam was brutally murdered a couple weeks ago. You can never be too safe, all right? I mean, you just heard, I guess, there might be a psycho killer out there. Anyway, take your shoes off. Get comfortable. This is for you. Oh, you got me a present. An eyeball? Have you been looking at my Amazon wish list? This is the Black Lodge Complaint Department, your source for all the Twin Peaks ire you could possibly handle. I'm your host, Daniel Williams. And I'm your co-host, Adam Bauer. And can you believe it? We are back once again for another episode of Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks Season 2 is quite long, isn't it, Daniel? Yeah, I don't think I've ever watched anything this long in my entire life. Well, the first (laughs) season of Lost was up there, like 20-plus episodes. Yeah, and ABC pushing it to go further and further, (laughs) and they didn't learn with this eventual mistake, and well, I'm sure they didn't even learn with Lost. No. ABC, failing left and right. This is Season 2, Episode 17, titled Wounds and Scars. The original air date was March 28th, 1991. If you recall, episode 16 was yeah. in February 1991. This was after the six-week hiatus. So, I mean, the show was on the verge of being canceled a month ago, and enough people wrote in that ABC was like, you know what, we've come this far, let's finish this and then cancel it. So they're back <laughs> with a sense of renewed purpose for, you know, with everybody like, God damn it, we're going to give this our best, even though we yeah. know we're probably weeks away from being out of a job. Adam. Shall we? Dan, I was thinking about this. Maybe we can jump into this episode. Okay. <laughs> J- let's, cannonba- let's cannonball let's in. Cannonball this. in. <laughs> Scotch splash! Yeah. Harry we- is just getting tore up <laughs> at the bookhouse. You called it the bookhouse, and I didn't realize until way later in the episode. I assumed we were in Truman's one-room shanty. But once I realized it was the bookhouse, I was like, oh, yeah, there's no way Truman owns a book. And what a noir opening with it sexy is, saxophone yeah. and the images of better times between Truman and Josie as he twirls the bottle of bourbon. Yeah, I wish that we could have seen some B-roll or something, some scenes of Truman and Josie enjoying each other's company that we hadn't seen previously on the show, just to kind of flesh out the idea that it was a long relationship, that they had other times together. Yeah, instead, instead of, we got the greatest hits. Yeah, we just, exactly. Hawk, ever the bro, shows up with one of Norma's breakfasts, special made just for Truman, and dude looks like he could use a good meal. Scrambled eggs, hash browns, bacon. Delicious spread. Truman probably hasn't eaten food in 24 hours. I'm willing to bet that he went home and immediately started drinking and hasn't stopped for at least a day. They chat a little bit about the Earl case. Because that's what's occupying the sheriff's department. Right, yeah. But other than that, Hawk just kind of leaves him be. He knows when someone just needs time to grieve. He's got to do it his own way. Hawk's a smart guy. 
And we take off from there. Yeah, another new character. Yeah, like this needs to happen. We recently met John Justice Wheeler. Here we are again meeting Annie Blackburn, which is sister of Norma Jennings. This is a young Heather Graham playing Annie. The first time I saw Heather Graham was Licensed to Drive with Corey Haim and Corey Feldman. Do you remember that movie? No, I do not. She was in that. She was Corey Haim's love interest. I think she's America's love interest. (laughs) She escaped a convent. Uh, I say escape because I think that's, in my mind, that's the only way you can leave a convent. And knowing what we know now about the Catholic Church, I'm not surprised that she just tore out of there like, I gotta get out of here. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) She shows up ready to work. She wants to earn her part. She doesn't want any handouts from Norma. She wants to earn her keep. I'm sure you're happy we're meeting a character that isn't a scum bucket. Yeah, although, you know what? We met a lot of characters in season one that I liked that ended up being scum buckets in season two. So, you know, give her an episode or two. Yeah. We pan over to everyone's favorite character, Major Garland Briggs, and he is enjoying breakfast at the counter. And it seems like he's trying to start a conversation with Shelly. He says, compelling. I think he was saying the pie was compelling, and she didn't really know how to respond to that. She just gave him his check. She's kind of an asshole. Yeah. Self-obsessed. She's back to work, and I guess maybe she's out of her rhythm, you know? With the customers, and so she needs a couple days, but it was rude. Yeah. It was rude. And Major Briggs has been through enough. He doesn't need sass when he's just getting a piece of pie at the double R. Maybe she's just sick and tired of the last name Briggs. And she's like, you know what? I don't have time for any of you. Yeah, you'd think that maybe she would be a bit more respectful towards, you know, her boyfriend's dad, but whatever. As far as we know, Major Garland Briggs doesn't even know that they're dating. Yeah, you're probably right. The log lady just walks up and touches his scar. Yeah, Really God bursting his personal bubble there. Also very rude. Consent is important, log lady, Margaret. And she sits down, and it looks like something important is going to happen, but we, <laughs> we don't get to see it. Immediately cuts away. <laughs> yeah, immediately. Okay, great. All right, well, I'm sure whatever that is, we'll come back later. <laughs> well, we're following Hawk now at the sheriff's department. Yeah. He's uh, filling in Cooper on what's going on with Truman. Yeah, they're all really concerned. I mean, Harry just went through some shit. And they're all super close bros. Cooper, kind of, it's odd. He cracks a smile when he realizes he has the autopsy results from Doc Hayward. Uh, Josie's autopsy results, to be specific here. Most notably, she weighed only 65 pounds. Yeah, what? After she died. Josie wasn't a heavy woman, but she definitely wasn't 65 pounds. No, she's probably like at least 82. Maybe it has something to do with what Cooper saw when she died. I guess. That's... Really the only important thing that we learn here, other than Hawk hates paperwork, and he's glad that Cooper is in charge now. I'm glad that he never takes a turn, you know? Taking a turn doing what? For the worse, you know? Oh, oh, that he's actually Josie turns, Pete turns briefly, Hawk is steadfast, he's strong. I like him. Good. And in the distance, we hear a dumb flute, (laughs) and we know that we're in the woods. Wyndham Earl is right right off screen. He's really obsessed with that flute, isn't he? Adam, I can't grasp this character. Wyndham Earl is kind of a, a wet noodle for you, is what you're saying. Yeah, I've made it pretty clear that I don't think he's a very compelling villain. But maybe it's just because I don't understand the character. Yeah, we know? don't. We, his motivations are pretty murky right now. They are. We'll get some clarification on that probably in the next couple of episodes. Yeah, well, I said it last episode, but I think part of the problem is that this show was built around a mystery. And now that we're done with a mystery, they're trying to retool as they go what the show is supposed to yeah. be. Instead of one central mystery, they thought it would be a good idea to give us, you know, five, but it really didn't work. It did not work. 
And I have in my notes, is he snorting coke? He seems like a coke addict. Now, I do not remember why I'm asking this question. He was uh, talking about being out in the woods and how it was kind of clearing the, his nasal cavities. And it was something to do with his sinuses and, and the woods. Yeah, and I think he's just such a weird character. I, I, just, I can't pin him down. So he's doing some monologuing. It's very clear that this is his thing. He likes to just talk at people. And I guess Leo is the perfect counterpart for that because he can't converse. As Wyndham is flipping through the paper, he finds... Cooper's next move, which yeah. and he's, he's pissed over. He's it. very pissed because he realizes what's happening. He's trying to force a stalemate, and yeah. Wyndham knows Cooper well enough that he thinks that he wouldn't be making these moves, and he must be getting help from somebody. And he's right. He is, but so what? Or, or maybe Cooper took some lessons. You know, <laughs> learned a little bit more about the game. I mean, it's a possibility. I mean, Earl is watching him pretty closely though maybe he's playing to a stalemate because he knows it's the best possible outcome and why would you try to beat the man you know you can't beat and have never beaten before like what that's crazy and he's so crazy he is going to exact some kind of terrible revenge for this yeah. transgression of cooper getting help playing the game that is just supposed to be earl and cooper he's also mad that he's getting help but Wyndham earl is not acting alone either yeah, he's got Leo over he's there. He's got in his very own Igor, yeah. Yeah, you think he would, he would have given him a new bathrobe. Maybe he's cleaning it for him. He just took it down to the river and he's just, you know, rinsing kind of it out. rinsing it out, yeah. The scene ends with some abuse towards Leo and Earl vowing all people are going to, many people are going to regret. Yeah. <sighs> Whatever. We're supposed to be worried that he's going to lash out and harm some of our favorite That's characters. Right. Are you and, worried about that, Dan? Yeah, well, unless he goes after Pete, I think we're fine. <laughs> Pete and uh, Hawk. Yeah, unless Pete and Hawk are in danger, I am okay with this. So we go to the Great Northern, and I, Adam, I could have sworn that Dick Tremaine was mauled to death by a bear. Is that, <laughs> I maybe you I were, just dreamt that? He's back. He the little back. Nikki storyline is not back, but he's back. They've, they yeah. found a use for him. Yeah, Nikki's gone. No real explanation. Like, it's just, shut up. Stop dealing with that. That's <laughs> You guys are dumb. And they're like, oh, okay, it's fine. Uh, yeah, they had a little cry session, you know, yeah, and then through it. Yeah. And there we go. I guess... Uh, Something's going on at the Great Northern. Yeah. Was this brought up in the last episode and I just couldn't remember it? Maybe. I don't remember. I don't remember. You don't remember it. I don't remember it. This is just happening. But it's related to that sure. meeting about the weasel. So, well, some, okay, yeah, so something's yeah. going on. He's got some models there, right? I guess. And <laughs> they're setting up a stage behind them. And Apparently. And very. People are coming and going and Audrey's trying to get a handle of the situation. She's running around with a pen and a clipboard. She seems just as uh, confused as I am about what is going on <laughs> in the Great Northern. Just roll with it, you know? I'm, You know, as Audrey is, I will too. And a Mr. William Zane wants to kind of show up and sweep Audrey <laughs> off her feet. Yeah. I couldn't remember the character's name. So he wants to take her on a picnic? Yeah, didn't we just We were just on a picnic, picnic last episode. Yeah. Someone was on a picnic tear. Yeah. <laughs> And that's the only part of this scene that made any sense to me. I could grasp wanting to go on a picnic. Everything that happened before that was insane. You're so confused you're not invested. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah, well, I mean, Dick Tremaine is involved. And Adam, I swear, a cougar ate his face, right? I mean, it couldn't have just been a, a, a dream. dream. <laughs> we are back at what I'm still calling Truman Shanty, apparently the book house. And this time, Cooper shows up. Yeah, and a misguided attempt to snap Truman out of it. Whoa. Yeah, he just kind of rolls up on on Truman. Put on your big boy pants, Truman. Yeah. This lady was a hardened criminal and just starts rattling off some of the charges she's been slapped Truman is in a state. The love of his life was just 
died mysteriously in front of him. Do we want to listen to some of this? I think that we should listen to, let's listen to Josie's record, because okay. the way that Cooper just starts to throw this shit out, what did he expect? How did he expect Truman to react? Well, let's listen to it. Fine, let's listen to it. In addition to killing Eckert, trying to kill me, and killing Jonathan in Seattle. Close cases. She's also wanted for a variety of felonies in Hong Kong. I don't need to hear this. She's also had two prostitution arrests, Harry. Harry, eventually it's going to help you to know she was a hardened criminal, a killer. Get out of here. I know it's not easy right now. Just get out of here. Get out of here! Go! Kind of uncharacteristically cold for Cooper to what just. What the fuck, man? Very, this is a very like robot, mechanical Cooper. You shouldn't be upset about this. Here are the facts. Let's get over it and move on. God, I, Truman doesn't need to hear that. Maybe shit. it's a cry f- for help from Cooper. He just can't handle things at the sheriff's department. No, don't don't do that to Cooper. <laughs> he is well established in the show as being a capable lawman. He doesn't need the kind of help that a sad Truman can offer him. Yeah, so he just pisses off Truman. Yeah. Like, I would kick him out of my shanty, too. Yeah, Truman just asks him to leave politely a couple (laughs) times before I just says, Leave now! And then this dramatic cut to black for commercial. Yeah. I guess that was supposed to be, like, heart-stopping in the 90s when Truman screams like that. You're like, whoa. It's like when your dad yells at you. (laughs) Like, oh, shit, I I really screwed up this time. I don't think he does a very good job as a shouting guy, you know? He doesn't have a very sincere angry face. Put the gun down! Yeah, his face doesn't look like it could be angry. That's just acting. He didn't make me feel like he really felt that way. I could see that he was just playing his role. And I'm an expert at acting, so, you know. Lupin Lodge! Oh, hey. Yeah, we kind of have this weird tracking shot on Catherine. It's almost, you know, like a slasher film. Yeah. Because someone is creeping up on her. Again, this is where the director or maybe the, uh, the DP doesn't realize that people have peripheral vision and Catherine would totally be able to see this person standing there in the doorway. Yeah, or maybe she's got tunnel vision. We don't know. We don't know that much about Catherine. Maybe she can't see. Well, this person is uh, Jones, yep. Eckhart's female assistant. Catherine is not playing any games here. She just immediately pulls out, I think, a Smith and Wesson and just points it at Jones. Yeah. Call me a healthy skeptic. She wants her out of there. But yeah. first, Jones has a, has something for Catherine. She gives her a gift. Yeah. A, very slowly. It's she a very pulls nice out a, wooden box. Yeah, she pulls out a black box and gives it to Catherine. We'll just put that on the mantle. Yeah, I think it's a very ornate carved wooden dildo. In the background, there is- <laughs> Don't a, ignore me. I am ignoring you. <laughs> this scene was dumb. It did not need to be here. And we're gone. And we're gone. Yeah, I, good, right? We're hitting up a place we don't often visit, the Hayward residence. So Dr. Craig shows up. Yeah, and I was tickled that you didn't realize until the end of the interaction that it was actually Wyndham. And I wasn't even sure then. So he is a master of disguise. That so mustache, Maybe yeah. he's I'll... cooler than you think, Daniel. He is not. So who is Dr. Craig? Well, Donna doesn't recognize the name. and Invites him in two and a half weeks after her best friend was murdered, after Maddie was murdered, yeah. after you know a vagrant was just murdered and stuffed into a chair at the sheriff's station. You don't invite strangers in, lady. Yes, Adam. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I. what is she doing? Trying to get killed. She is. Save it's... me. Save me, Cooper. Yeah. So Okay. So <laughs> Dr. Craig, he was... On his way to Spokane to speak at a conference, and he just wanted to pop in and and see how his his old pal Hayward is doing after all these years. And Dr. Craig seems to know a lot about 
the Hayward family. Yeah, Earl is doing his research, apparently. But we, we know that Donna is one of the three queens that we th- suspect that Earl is targeting. Yeah. He, he's making small talk. I don't know if you heard, but he does the classic old man trope. He's like, uh, you have two sisters, right? Are they as beautiful as you? And you're like, <laughs> you're like 100 years old. I'm a, I'm a 17-year-old girl. What? Why are you saying that? Ah! He is uh, laying the creepy on thick here. Yeah. Wyndham Earl, I, just a little bit of advice. If you're going to be a psychopathic murderer, going around killing a bunch of people, try not to be also a creep in public. Try not to draw attention to yourself. And I know he's <laughs> wearing the outfits and stuff, but like we can see you most of the time. Granted, it took me the whole scene before I realized it was him, but I was like, oh yeah, that was that was Earl. Okay, so I still saw you, you bastard. <laughs> like We know you're out there being a creep and being a murderer. Separate the two, I guess is what I'm saying. I had some solid advice for <laughs> the serial killer. Thanks, Dan. Well, before uh, Dr. Craig, a.k.a. Wyndham, leaves, he gives a phone number to Donna and tells her dad to call him and, and gives her a gift and well, makes a promise not yeah. to open it. Yeah. And that's that. Adam, can we skate on down the road to the sheriff's department? Pete has gone a little mad himself here. Yeah, he's got several games of chess set up. He's got a room of chess boards. It's pretty amazing. And he's trying to figure out a way to play to a stalemate without losing any more pieces. He's researched different stalemates or different examples. And yeah. It's tough. He's not finding a way to do it without at least losing some pawns some in the pawns. process. I mean, he's reading up. He's doing history research. It's pretty impressive coming from this character who, up to this point, we've seen... Putting fish in percolators and... <laughs> yeah. I like that Pete steps up. He takes on this responsibility. He knows how important it is. He plays 20 games of chess at once. Lucy and Andy are also playing. They're back. Yeah, they just appear out of nowhere. They've been gone for like three episodes. Yeah. When are these two crazy kids just going to tie the knot? That's what I want to know. Seems like everything's okay now between them. That really hasn't been much talk of her pregnancy, but I assume she's still pregnant. Pete taught those two lovebirds to play chess, so they're helping out. Lucy wins. Lucy wins because... In true Andy fashion, he really just, he doesn't have a firm grasp of the rules. No, he thought the knight didn't always need to do the hook move or whatever. Yeah, it's a privilege to do the hook move. Come on, Andy. Meanwhile, Briggs and the log lady have come to visit Cooper. Yeah, looks like we're going to get some follow-up between that interaction they had at the double R. Good. We don't get to see it happen, but we get to see the aftermath. Shit is going down. So we sit down, and what is happening here? Cooper's drawing the symbol that was found on Briggs's neck after his experience. Don't tell me what it means, but do we learn what it means? What the symbols the mean? The symbols uh, mean. Not explicitly. I, I mean, I could be wrong here, but, you know, a lot of the images and the symbols used in the show will continue to pop up and play an yeah. important part of the, re- of the return. The fucking return. That's where all the cool shit happens. I, there's a lot of cool shit that happens in season two. You just didn't appreciate it. Mm. Well, okay, so yes. the whole point of this is that the log noticed Briggs's tattoos and was like, "Hey, Margaret, you've got a similar tattoo, or they look like they look like, like birth burns, marks. yeah, burns or birthmarks." But she shows Cooper on the back of her leg. She's got two what looks, you know, two peaks. A tattoo of twin peaks, if you will. Yeah, well, I mean, the two mountains and twin peaks are Whitetail Mountain and Blue Pine Mountain, so it could be either of those. I, I don't know. Well, that's just proof that she too, as a child, was abducted by aliens. So let's hear a little bit about Margaret's abduction. I was seven years old. I went walking up in the woods, and when I got back, I was told that I had disappeared for a day. All I could recall was a a flash of light, and, and that mark was on my leg. 
We all three recall the light. And also, the call of the owl. Yes, I remember. The only other time I, I saw that sight and heard that sound was right before my husband died. So they both saw flashes of white light, including yeah. Cooper, and heard owls. But, and they both have almost no memory of their time away. Margaret was just a kid, seven years old. Yeah. She was exploring the woods, and when she got home, she'd been told she was gone for a day. That's scary. It is. We The White Lodge, we're assuming, is a place of benevolence, but not remembering what happened and disappearing for days. Taking kids. Pretty terrifying. Yeah. So they're both connecting something, yeah. you know. They're not sure... But it seems like it's getting interesting. I do, you know, whenever the show gets interesting, I like to make sure I say that out loud so you know, our audience knows, I'm here for it. It's just a shame it wasn't more prevalent in the yeah. show, that a lot of the other stuff wasn't trimmed away, and this is yeah. what, you know. We it seems been, really important, yeah, so we, we should have got this Briggs and, and Log Lady stuff, like episode 10 or 9, like yeah. a couple of episodes after Leland died, not eight episodes later. It's kind of... Yeah, I mean, because I have to assume that the occupying spirits or as I like to call them, the aliens, are directly connected to the lodges. They are. So it would have been a, a nice connective thread there to just move along to this. But we got what we got. Not much to chew on, but no. at least it's something, and they're, we can feel that the end game is getting set up here, that yeah. they know it's coming to an end. They want to at least try and go out with a bang. Well, we're not going to go out with a bang quite yet, but we are going to take a quick break. tragedy strikes. Melissa, it's really nice of you to come back for the funeral. A D&D group reunites. So, uh, is Dylan coming? What up, man? To celebrate the life of a friend. Take that, you wretched sea hag! <laughs> Until something happens. Now they're struggling to survive in a world they don't understand. It got me! Game over, man! Game over! group as they fail through time and space. I dropped it, you guys. Oh, David. Buddy. Run! <laughs> A beginner's guide to interplanetary destruction. <laughs> That's what I'm calling my penis as of eight seconds ago. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Black Lodge Complaint Department. We are discussing wounds and scars. We've got our blanket out in the, the meadow. We've got a basket full of cheeses, etc. charcuterie. Yeah, we're here for a picnic. Can I feed you an apple, Dan? <laughs> a whole apple. Hold it while <laughs> Just, I eat the argh. whole thing. <laughs> uh, Mr. William Zane is singing to Audrey. Sexy scene. Yeah. Whew. Pulling on my heartstrings. A couple sure, of good-looking sure, sure, kids, sure. though, man. I mean, I just have to ask, what if a boulder broke loose from somewhere like a mountain and crushed them both to death? <laughs> Would look... that be so bad, Adam? Really? I mean, Does it look like March out there? They've got a lot of leaves on the ground. Like It looks It looks really warm, but... They must have been shooting in California. Yeah. What do I know about mountain weather? I've never been on a mountain. I assume they're cold. Maybe they're nice and toasty all year round. So there's really not much going on here, just a picnic. And yeah, Billy, Billy Zane, Zane singing with a full head of hair because he did have one in the early 90s, Adam. Mm, I'm sure he had a lot of hair, but they put extensions or something, you know. Nope. I will argue this. The rest of this episode, we'll just argue about Billy Zane's well, when, hair in 1991. When, yeah, when we're done with the show and everything's behind us, we'll have an episode where we can talk about his just hair. Billy Zane hair cast. <laughs> the scene, uh, as you said, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's done. Yeah. Audrey feeds him an apple and we're moving on. Yeah. Look at the two lovebirds. Ugh, whatever. The Hayward House. We're back at it. And shit gets scary. 
This scene is really good. Yeah, Doc Hayward and the Mrs. Come Home, Eileen. And Eileen! I knew she had a first name. Well, she's barely in the show, kind of like well, yeah. uh, Mrs. Horn. She was in the show one episode. <laughs> that was sad. Eileen has a little more screen time. Well, I'm sorry, you were saying. <laughs> they get back from the grocery store, and Donna is just like, oh, hey, your, your buddy, Craig, stopped by. and Harold Craig. Doc Hayward just kind of chuckles like, Craig? I watched him die. What are you talking about? <laughs> he drowned in my arms. I couldn't save him. <laughs> that uh, guy. Yeah. What's he up to? Besides being right, of course. Besides being a skeleton. He was just passing through town as a skeleton. Yeah, well, she Donna starts to freak out because she realizes she just let a crazy person into her home. I really hope she learned a lesson that day. Do you think <laughs> that she did, though? <laughs> Craig was Doc Hayward's roommate in uh, medical school, and he, yeah. he drowned on Snake River or something along he, those he lines. He died on a rafting trip. Yeah. Yeah, and Doc Hayward tried to save him, but was unsuccessful, and... And while he's telling this story, Eileen calls the number that Wyndham Earl left. Oh, yeah. It's a cemetery. Very spoopy. Yeah, very threatening. Yeah. And the present is opened up. The present is... Maybe thought it was going to be a finger or something. No. Oh, yeah. They can't afford those kind of prosthetics. It was his next chess move. Knight to King's Bishop 3. (laughs) Oh, you sly dog. I don't play chess. (laughs) That is solid, solid chess move. We all know that, right? Chess heads. Where are my chess heads at? Uh... Did did the Hayward parents not tell their kids, like, hey, don't open the door to strangers? My kid knows not to open the door to strangers. It's Twin Peaks or a small town. They don't lock 51, their doors. 51,000 people, Adam. Not a small town. I'm just going by the facts here. Now, my quick question to you is why was this given to Doc Hayward? If it isn't explicitly stated in the Maybe show later on. Maybe he didn't want her to open it right away. Because and- you think that if... He wanted Donna to open it. He would have left it for Donna or found some way to get it to Donna. Like I said, maybe he didn't want her to open it right away and just said, oh, it's for your dad, knowing that eventually it would it would be opened and she'd know what it was. I don't know what he's thinking. You don't know what a psychopath is thinking? Fine. <laughs> well, in the meantime, we're going to go from one household to another. Where? What household are we going we're to? We're going to the Hurley oh, House. Oh, yeah, Hurley House. We get an exterior shot at Big Ed's gas farm, and I thought perhaps we were finally going to see him do some work, you know, like pay the bills. But no. Instead, we're inside the house where we get some more of the world's worst mental health practitioner. Yeah. Hooray. Looks like Jacoby is uh, sitting down with Ed and Nadine because, uh, as we know from the previous episode, that Nadine wants to break up and that Ed is proposed to Norma and he's head over heels and he's ready to move on with his life. So they're trying to make it happen and Jacoby's there because of her mental state right now. Right. And Ed is going to do it. He's going to pull the band aid off, right? No. He's hemming and hawing. And he's being a little wiener about it. And he's like, Nadine, he says something along the lines of, I'm going to paraphrase, Nadine, you're with Mike, and I'm with Norma, and and, and you know you know what I'm saying? Yeah, he doesn't say, and that means we're going to get a divorce. Right. And then Jacoby, super helpful, he follows it up with, do you get what Ed is trying to say? And the answer is no, no one knows what anybody's talking about because no one's getting to the fucking point. And it's almost like no one is really listening to what Nadine is saying because it's clear to the audience she's not aware that this right. is a divorce. As Ed and Jacoby are talking, Nadine chimes in with a, you know, hey, Ed, I don't want to see any jealous rampages, or I'm paraphrasing here, right? Uh, but maybe just one. So she, it's clear that she is still infatuated with Ed. Yeah. And, and, and this scene is really important because we can tell Nadine starting to wake up. She's starting to come out of her high school stupor because she acknowledges that her eye is missing 
now. Yeah. She's like, oh, wait a sec. You know, she's she's waking up, essentially. She says that, and then Ed says, I give up. I mean, he <laughs> hasn't actually tried. He's being a real coward. He's not He's not being a bookhouse boy no, right? in this situation. It's tough for him. He feels responsible for Nadine, and maybe even more so now that she's still mentally incapacitated. So finally, Dr. Jacoby says something helpful, and the scene... Ended in a way that really made me laugh out loud. Let's listen to it real quick. All right, all right, all right. Nadine, you and Ed are about to get a divorce. I think I've gone blind in my left eye. What a way to end that scene. Yeah, it genuinely made me laugh out loud. See? See, you're coming around, Dan. There are, there are little nuggets of wonderful buried in season two. Not many, but they're there. I wouldn't say that I'm coming around, but I will give credit where credit is It's kind is of due. like a, a Like I said at the top of the water. episode, this this has some good spots. Adam. Oh, oh yeah, here we go, right? Uh, yeah, we're back at the Hayward house again. Yeah. Very quickly, and there's what? some weird shit going on. Just hit us, because it goes real fast. What is going yeah. on here? Donna is coming down the stairs. Eileen is at the door, and who should appear? None other than Benjamin Horn, who yeah, kind of what? leans in and in a way that would imply an intimate relationship between the two people and, and whisper something into her ear. Yeah. And Donna he sees it all and is visibly disturbed. I was right along with her, visibly disturbed. This scene is very brief. Oh, that's it. We just see some weirdness, and then we're, we're taken off to the double R. That was creepy. I didn't get it. I didn't understand. We don't come back there. Okay. This time, I was totally sure this was Wyndham Earl. He did not get me this time around, okay? His, <laughs> his biker, biker getup. <laughs> that was one of the more ridiculous ones. I think he had a bug on his eye or yeah, something Yeah, like a fake tattoo. Or did he come to Twin Peaks with like a steamer trunk full of costumes? Absolutely. <laughs> did he rob a repertory theater? <laughs> I like to think nighttime at the cabin in the woods that Leo is in. It's just kind of like Silence of the Lamb, like Buffalo Bill, like... You know, wild horses playing in the background as Wyndham Earl gets <laughs> naked and tries on different outfits. And Cooper comes in. Cooper and Earl are in the same room at the same time, Adam. Yeah, this, I don't think this has happened yet. No. What's going to... Nothing. Nothing's going to happen. No. Something does happen. No. Nothing happens. Cooper senses him. Oh, whatever. And he senses him at, at right he after... Senses- a hot new lady. That's what he senses. He's like, you're entirely right. He, damsel? Is there a damsel? Well, let's talk about the scene a little okay. bit. Norma is checking out the flyer for the upcoming Miss Twin Peaks contest. She wants Shelly to get at it. Yeah, sure. Earl tells Shelly that he thinks she's beautiful. Yeah, he pulls the same shit from it. earlier with Donnie. He's like, oh, you're such a pretty girl. Like, fucking back off. Well, these creep. are the girls he's creeping on. I, I mean, know, but still. I don't like it. Well, after that little interaction, Cooper yeah. rolls in, and yeah, holy shit, Cooper and Earl are now in the same room at the same time, and you say that, oh, like, nothing happens, but it does, but it's a little beneath the surface, below the ripples of the water, as sure, it were. Sure, 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 So sure. Cooper <laughs> finally meets Annie, and he is immediately smitten with her, and Earl is witnessing this from across the counter. He's yeah. just looking at Cooper like, oh, that miserable shit. He's looking at him just falling in love with this lady. He and Cooper senses that anger and that palpable evil and just kind of wafting over. And Cooper and Earl I'm wearing realizes, my skeptical face. Yeah, and Earl realizes Cooper senses it because he is immediately gone. I he think was the, shooting daggers at Coop. I think Annie farted and Cooper was like... <laughs> Well, Annie tells Cooper that, you know, she made the coffee a little strong, but I think yeah. he's going to be okay with that. Yeah, and he notices a little scar on her wrist from where she did some self-harm. Yeah. And that is Cooper's favorite type of woman, the woman who's quote-unquote damaged. Oh, a new damsel for him to save. Can't wait to see where that goes. Ugh. 
<laughs> Hawk pops in to ruin Cooper's rock hard erection because there's a problem at the old book house. <laughs> Shit is going down. Uh, don't interrupt a man with his heart on, Hawk. Truman has hit critical mass <laughs> yeah, in regard to his Jack Daniels consumption. <laughs> I mean, he's got to consumed like five or six bottles by this point he is in a rage he is tearing it up the place he's smashing furniture if it's not nailed down it's getting thrown this is when i finally realized that he was not in his house but the book house the whole time <laughs> it does explain all the books it's really kind of an asshole move you know i mean i'm sure you're gonna have one of the book house underlings yeah this is a community space up. man this is not your home your home would not have a book truman as we said he's in a bit of a rage he's we don't know what's prompted this. I guess he's at booze capacity. Yeah, he's just... He's got to let it all out. The ang- He's at the angry yeah. you know, part of grieving now. And this scene plays out really well. Where this goes... Yeah. I got no complaints. For a moment, we get to see just how far along Cooper and Truman's friendship has progressed in just a few weeks. And you can tell these guys are good friends, and Cooper talks them down, yeah. doing much better than earlier in the day when he rolled up to the drunk Truman and just said, hey, your girlfriend yeah. was an asshole. Get over it. <laughs> He's much more uh, in tune. Truman is just, I think the fit comes from him just through all this introspection that he's been, you know, he's been drinking and thinking. And he can't figure out why Josie died. It just fundamentally does not compute with him. It doesn't compute with us. She just. Well, yeah. We know she's not dead. We know she's furniture now. (laughs) Like you said, Cooper just, he grabs him and he hugs him because sometimes that's all you can do. You can't explain the inexplicable. Yeah. And a person just needs to be held sometimes, you know? Hug it out. Truman passes out shortly thereafter. I mean, like I said, fifth, sixth (laughs) bottle of Jack. And uh, with that kind of sincere moment, I think that we should take another break. What do you think? Sounds good. Okay. Do you need me to hold you? Maybe. Today's episode is brought to you by Wyndham Earl's Costume Emporium. Are you trying to infiltrate your local law enforcement and bring them down from the inside? Wyndham Earl's got the ridiculous mustache for you! Not only mustaches, Earl's got stringy wigs, bad makeup, fake beer guts, and more, all guaranteed to fool your nemesis. Whether you're tailing an enemy or a victim, Wyndham Earl's Costume Emporium has just what you need. Wyndham Earl's, where your crazy plot meets our crazy prices. Welcome back, everyone, to the Black Lodge Complaint Department, where we are returning once again to the Great Northern. And this is bizarre. I mean, the whole show is bizarre. Everything about this is bizarre today. But Nadine and fucking Snake... Oh, God. They're going to consummate the relationship. We're finally seeing them together as a couple. It yeah, was hinted we, at many times. Yeah, we never got to see the union actually happen. It was yeah. just Nadine was crushing on Snake, yep. and then just all of a sudden, like, hey, we're together now. Yeah, and he's standing upright, so we can assume that she did not crush his pelvis. They need some alone time, so they're hoping they can book a room at the Great Northern. And not Mike. just a room, the honeymoon suite. <laughs> yeah. I guess we should describe Mike's getup, right? He's wearing a long trench coat and dad glasses, a hat of some kind, a fedora or or trilby, perhaps. This fucking plotline is wild, dude. I mean, I can't believe they actually went through it. I thought it was going to be, you know, Nadine's crushing on Snake, crushing on Snake, and then she snapped out of it. Not crushing on Snake, crushing on Snake. They're a couple? Very quick, yeah. Very quick. Very bizarre. Well, I hope they're using protection because Nadine does not need to get knocked up by a 17-year-old. Yeah, and I know in the show she's only supposed to be 35, but she looks easily like 42, 43 years old. 
they're trying to lie their way to the and room. Does it really matter? I, I guess because Nadine still thinks she's a high school student that she wouldn't take point on this and just get a room. Yeah, I mean it's got to be. The but yeah, they played they it for it. chuckles. They, Mike gets spotted by Susan. <laughs> That's pretty funny. A friend and fellow student from Twin Peaks High School. She's just kind of like, oh, gross, okay. She probably saw through the costume because of the famously bad hair. Oh, yeah, she, she spotted that blonde mullet. Like, I yeah. know that blonde mullet. If it wasn't for that mullet, I would have thought that was somebody's dad. Why are these teenage girls hanging out in the hotel? For the fashion show that's about to happen. Oh, or maybe they're okay. associated with that in some way. I don't know. Okay. Oh, they probably like, work at the department store. Maybe. Well, see, that's what I was thinking. Like they work at the department store, and Ben is back to his old ways. Oh no, the charity event fashion show is going on right now. That, okay, so charity fashion show. I don't know how that raises money. Usually, like you buy, you know, like a nine hundred dollar per plate dinner or something like that for one of these things. But I guess. Ben is just expecting people to come to this ridiculous fashion show. And give him money. And then give him money for no <laughs> reason other than the weasel. So Dick Tremaine, he's the host of this fashion show. And we have saw the high school girls in the scene just before this one. We saw some young women in the previous scene. But who is first out on the runway? It's Lucy and then Andy. And... Adam, do you recall what they're wearing? <laughs> Ridiculous what, outfits. Was it Dick Tremaine? Yeah, it was he. Yeah, he, Ben pulled Dick Tremaine from the department store and said, "Hey, I want to have a charitable event fashion show. Listen, take point on this. If that's his idea of fashion, he needs to be fired from Horns immediately." Do you know much about the fashion trends in the uh, Pacific Northwest in the early '90s? I don't. <sighs> He is not the fashionista I thought he would be. Andy really looks like he's out of his element, though. He's, <laughs> he's just terrified and, yeah. and like, oh, these people are just looking at me like I'm a piece of meat. And he is a well-dressed a piece, of, piece meat, of meat, <laughs> according to Bumpkins and Twin Peaks. But from there, we cut over to the bar where Ben is sitting. Yeah, and he's enjoying some milk and cookies. Awesome. Yeah. That's no, great. No cigars, no alcohol. He is wholesome. That is very wholesome and relatable. I also enjoy milk and cookies, so I am best friends with Ben now because we enjoy the same thing. And Catherine just can't stand to see anybody Ugh. be happy, so she slimes into the situation or Why is slithers she there? in. Why is she there, Adam? To, to size up Ben. I mean, the last time we saw Catherine and Ben together was when he was still in the throes of his Confederate delusion, yeah. and they it looked like they were sparking up a physical relationship again. Ugh. But I guess I guess it didn't happen. I guess the writers just kind of dropped it. And Maybe she just went in for one last fuck. Yeah. Kind of just get it out of her system. It appears as though Ben is being very genuine here and changing his ways. He's serious, and I guess that's a good thing. Yeah. Ben, is is ben he being genuine? Guy. Yeah, I mean, Ben Horn is still Ben Horn. I think at the end of the day, he might still fuck up. But yeah, we're, we're witnessing like the turn of A legitimate of turn. Yeah. Catherine doesn't buy it. <laughs> ben does ask that she write him a big fat check. <laughs> at least, yeah, he's got the balls to ask. Good for him. Yeah. None of this really matters for the rest of the episode. And I gotta assume none of it matters at all. You'll never hear about it again after that's, we finish season two. <laughs> that's what I figured. The weasel doesn't matter. Polly Shore, he's done for. In the meantime, we get expert weasel stroker Tim Pinkle. He is taking the stage, and we think this is gonna be the end of the episode because of how the rest of this scene plays out. But we do get one more scene. But Tim Pinkle is doing his best to kind of warm the crowd to the idea of saving the weasel he gives a fairly compelling speech and he struggles through it but what we all assume is about to happen happens he 
<laughs> the weasel attacks Dick. The right? weasel attacks fucking Dick Tremaine, and I was so happy. I laughed so hard. I hate that guy so fucking much. I was thrilled to see Dick Tremaine get mauled because, as I said earlier, I thought it was a panther, <laughs> but a weasel will do. Well, it kickstarts all sorts of mayhem. Everyone starts screaming and panicking. It's the Benny Hill theme starts playing. Yeah, it, yeah. yeah where did that come from? Yeah. Uh... And then, in the middle of all this chaos, Senor Zane and Audrey make out. In a very odd, you know, okay. quirky way. Like, oh, let me, they'll swoop you off your feet and lay one on you. Yeah. Fine. Okay, sure. She's 18, man. She's not too young for you, but she's basically too young for you. Let's go to the bookhouse and finish her up. Is there anything else in that scene? Like, it really is just... Just a like, like a wacky end of the episode, yeah. you know. This last scene is kind of peculiar. <laughs> yeah. And here at the Black Lodge Complaint Department, we are no stranger to a cliffhanger. But this is kind of an odd one, right? Why don't you tell me what you thought about it? Okay, well, as I said, we're at the bookhouse. Joan sneaks in, and she knocks out random bookhouse boy. It wasn't even one that we'd seen previously. Just guy in a leather jacket, essentially. And then she starts getting naked, taking off her clothes, and she gets into bed with Truman. Yeah. <laughs> what? What are you doing, lady? Yeah, I mean, if she's going to try to initiate something physical i hate to break it to her but that dude's been through like seven or eight bottles of whiskey that dick is broke a he's got whiskey dick b he probably hasn't showered in at least 24 hours he's got stink you know yeah i she (laughs) bad news but what is she doing adam i don't know jones is one of those characters that felt like there would have been a lot more to her if the series continued but it got canceled and at this point you know she wasn't important enough to (laughs) yeah no shit you know i think we'll find out what happens next episode but i think that's it i don't think she pops up again (sighs) well that is the end of this episode and we're going to take one more quick break and we're going to finish her out Jack, the gym-loving male nurse hottie, managed to win the heart of the spunky blue-haired web designer Maggie? Join us every other week to discover if this unlikely pair will have their happily ever after or fizzle out in the end. Love and Lust Season 1 is available for your listening enjoyment now at CalamityCast.com or anywhere you find podcasts. Welcome back to the Black Lodge Complaint Department where Daniel and I just got done talking about wounds and scars, so... Dan, I didn't like the end of the episode. There was a weird one. Yeah. We weren't sure why Jones was taking off her clothes and trying to do things to a drunk Truman. Maybe she just wanted to feel a, a limp noodle dick what on her thigh. thigh. Well, this episode <laughs> is notable because it features the appearance of Annie Blackburn, yeah. who is being set up to be the new love interest for Cooper. I assume that Earl goes after her. Well, we'll find out. It's worth noting, too, that... Fans did not like Annie Blackburn. They hated her character. They hated the fact that her and Cooper were getting together. They wanted Coop and Audrey. You know, they oh wanted God, that. Get over it. They wanted that relationship to happen. And, and there's still fans are gross. To this day, there are people that lament that we should have gotten a proper like Cooper and Audrey love story plotline, and it didn't happen because of behind the scenes drama. How old is Cooper supposed to be? You think? I'm assuming Cooper is in his early 30s. Yeah. I mean, that relationship is just too. The gap is too wide. Fans. Yeah. Don't be weird. They wanted it. Early 90s weird. The other big thing this episode was Briggs and the Log Lady coming out of the background and getting into the foreground more and sharing shared experiences with the White Lodge. I appreciate that the Log Lady is so relevant. 
I like that, that she wasn't just a random town weirdo. In the first episode that they brought back. Yeah. yeah. Good. Well, we are very quickly approaching the end of season two. Yeah. Next week, David Lynch returns to the show for a little bit, so we'll get that. Should be She's got to earn fun. that paycheck. Well, let's finish her up. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Black Lodge Complaint Department. And thank you to Retro Promenade for providing our theme music and interstitial music. Visit retropromenade.bandcamp.com to hear more of their tunes. One more thanks goes out to our pal Ian McGowan for all the jazz music that we play throughout the show. Let's talk about Twin Peaks. Do you love it? Do you hate it? I hate it. Do you feel like Daniel? Do you feel like me? Have you yourself forced somebody to watch Twin Peaks and regretted doing it every day of your life? (laughs) If so, use the hashtag BLCD on Twitter, where we're at CalamityCast, at underscore DS Williams, and at Sour underscore Bauer. You can find us on Facebook at CalamityCast. You can also email us at CalamityCastNetwork at gmail.com. And don't forget to check out CalamityCast.com for more pod greatness. If you like our show, please leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Uh, if you wanted to write us a big fat check, uh, you know, head on over to Patreon.com slash CalamityCast and become a patron. For one-time donations, you can use PayPal.me slash CalamityCast. We also have a variety of merch at the CalamityCast Public store. If you're looking for like a dick of the week tank top or a black lodge thong or space what america poncho check out tpublic.com and search calamity cast network all one word i must have missed that meeting all right we'll return next week with season two episode 18 of twin peaks and an episode of the black lodge complaint department that does its little turn on the catwalk on the catwalk <laughs> see you soon bye guys This has been a Calamity Cast production. For more content, visit calamitycast.com and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.